Right on. We're working out the kinks for the kickoff, eh? Yikes. We're professionals. Don't try this at home, my friends. Well, you know, the, the kitchen's done downstairs. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely bright. The ceiling's been done. We put in new pot lamps. We have this composite um, countertop upon these incredibly uh, homemade built uh, cabinets with gas closing drawers. And the, uh, the uh, tile just makes it all pop. In fact, the flooring, we watched the guy put it in. The flooring's absolutely incredible too. Easy on the feet, incredible on the eyes. It's absolutely wonderful. And I wish you could see it. But you can't because we're actually going to board it up. We're going to board it up. It's way too nice for you guys to lay your eyes on. It is way too nice to feed homeless people. We don't want you putting your greasy, grubby hands on our beautiful kitchen. It's just right. So stay out. How much sense does that make? How much sense does that make? It's incredible, but let me tell you, it would make absolutely no sense. In fact, our scripture today, it'll come together. Our scripture today brings us to Luke, again, chapter 8. And just a short per- portion, but I'll make it go really long today. Is no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought out into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear to those who, uh, who listen to my teaching. Pause there for a moment. This last song that Josiah and the team uh, speak, Lord, you know, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. And I'm going like, well, wait a second. He's always speaking. Are you hearing? And that's a big part of today's sermon. Are you hearing? In fact, it's kind of a neat play on words. Here I am, Lord, right? But we could have changed the spelling of that from H-E-R-E to H-E-A-R. Like, are you paying attention? I say, boy, listen, I say, boy, listen, boy. Remember that? Foghorn Leghorn? <laughs> Try and keep up to my mind. So pay attention how you hear to those who listen to my teaching. More understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. That's kind of a haunting little portion tacked on there, isn't it? So the word parable, and that's what this is again. He's talking lots of parables. I love Luke. Again, we have to be reminded that Luke is writing for a purpose. He is a sharp guy. That He's heard all this. He's, he's a very detailed documenter. So he's talking to Theophilus, and he's, he's, he's trying to present the gospel and the facts surrounding Jesus Christ to somebody that's checking out the faith. So this is a beautiful portion of scripture where he doesn't use a whole lot of detail here and there that you might need in Matthew because he's talking to Jewish people that really care about genealogy. He's actually trying to come to a regular person, Joe Schmo, and saying, this is the claims of Christ. Check this out. So he's using a parable, and a parable sometimes means to cast alongside. A parable is a story that teaches something new by putting the truth alongside something familiar. So I'm going to see if this, I should have probably tried this before I tried it up here the way our morning is going. But we're going to light a candle here. Right on. Hope you brought your sunglasses. So we got a candle and we've lit this candle because no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a cup. Cup. 
for those of you who are not watching and listening in audio land, I have now just covered the... Oh! So what happens here? It's out, right? So it's kind of interesting, and it's also kind of fun. It's like your kid comes up, Dad, I can't see anything. I need a flashlight. I need to go to the washroom. He says, Son, here, grab your flashlight and jam it under your bed. <laughs> what? It's actually quite funny, because who lights a lamp and then jams it under their bed or hides it because it's supposed to give light to everyone, but here he's using it. Who covers it with a bowl or who hides it under their bed? It makes absolutely no sense. But I think sometimes he's using some of these ginormous illustrations that are so obvious that you're going like, what? That makes sense. Exactly. So he's coming as the light, the light of Christ, who now is actually firing you up because now you have the light of Christ. And it makes absolutely no sense for you now to do the jump under your bed like, now that I have this beautiful kitchen at the church or now that I have this light of Christ, I'm going to crawl under my covers because I don't want anybody to mess with this light, man. It's too good. But some of us do that. Some of us do that. In fact, as you saw from this illustration, it's kind of interesting because there is something here for us, especially as adolescents and stuff, is when we have the light of Christ, it's important to protect the light of Christ, but protecting the light of Christ can quickly become protectionism. So all of a sudden you protect so nobody sees or anything my light, and it ends up you can snuff it out because it gets no oxygen. So at some point, we have to bring a protection about our light and do things, as even Josiah was pointing toward, is that we actually exercise our spiritual muscles so that we continue to have a bright light shining within us because the lamp is available to us through a relationship with Christ. But if we try and hide it, that makes no sense. Or if we cover it up, we end up snuffing it out. So here he's giving us a parable. He's casting something alongside to teach us something that you might think is obvious, but I think if we're really honest, many of us, A, don't have a lot of exercises within our life to keep our candle nice and bright. Again, we're bombarded by thousands of advertisements a day to make you dark, to make you negative, to make you think that this world is horrible. And how many things in your life, in your day, are actually contributing to your spiritual life and giving you health? So it's really important that we pay attention to something like this. So he's casting this parable alongside, and the first thing I want us to see, which is quite obvious from our portion, no one lights a lamp and then covers it up. So nobody does it just for me. In fact, today I've named this, um, this sermon, I said, from glamping to lamping. I know it's supposed to be glamping and camping, but I thought I'd be quite clever. Is it working, you know? So by glamping, I'm just saying, I have a light and it's all mine, 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 you know? And just like, no, 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 it's not glamping. It's just not the light that's supposed to show Steve and all his youngness. But actually, he wants it to be a lamp so that all of you can actually see it and you can actually see the beacon of light, light lighthouse. And also, I can walk and my pathway is illuminated for me so I can walk with the light of Christ shining before me. Nobody lights a lamp and then covers it up. But I'm going to be real honest and mess with you a little bit is that you've grown up in a polluted environment called North America and we all think it's about me and Jesus. 
fact, I know this great, me and Jesus, got a good thing going around, me and Jesus, got it all worked out. It's just me and Jesus. It's not us. It's me. We have the disease of me. This is grabbing me big these days. So you're going to hear it over and over again. I'm sorry. You know, if you don't show up next week, you know, it's probably me and Jesus kind of sermon and the means, you know. Yeah. It just seems as though we come and we've ordered our private world and we want to be heaven bound. We want to be well. We want our kids to turn out perfect. And we make all sorts of decisions selfishly based on me and Jesus. So protect your light, boys and girls, because we don't want those nasty people out there messing with our light or our brand new kitchen. So here it's interesting that when he says it right off the bat in verse 16, to me, it's like I said, foghorn, leghorn. I say, I say, I say, boy, pay attention, boy. Because here he says right off the bat, pay attention to how you hear in verse 18. So you've lit this lamp and I want us to see right off the bat that light is for everyone. Light is for everyone. I was reading something this week that just messed with my mind and hopefully it messes with yours. Daniel Mayer and Greg Ogden said this, sadly, we often live as if Jesus said, for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. What's the matter with that verse? Pardon me? For God so loved what? Right. But think about this for a second. We actually look at this. For God so loved the chosen ones, so God so loved the church that he died for me. And look at the portion of scripture we're looking at today. Luke has a burden for people that don't know Christ. He's actually writing with a guy in mind that is weighing the claims of Christ. And he's saying, who grabs a light and lights it and then hides it? It makes no sense. But folks, we do this all the time. Under protectionism, or sometimes we even have this built-in prejudice towards certain people groups, especially with this influx of immigration. So we think sometimes, and then all of a sudden there's other people groups around, and we grab our light, and we just, us and them. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Light is for everyone. So this guy says... For God so loved the church that he sent his only begotten son. But this isn't so, he says. Jesus loves his church, but his vision for the world is broader, bigger than church. Christ gave his beloved, the church, us, the special mission of extending God's kingdom into all the world. God's primary concern for what happens underneath a steeple is the way it equips us to live when we're in our home, when we're in our workplace, when we're in our schools and other institutions. Notice how relatively little time Jesus spends teaching in synagogues or in temple courts and how much more he interacts with people in their homes and in their villages. Did you get that? This is really meddling kind of stuff. I love it. So he actually is really concerned for us, but this guy just says, what happens here underneath our steeple is that we actually come together, we are encouraged and inspired, but the big E word, you are equipped. Another sermon that's brewing right now is in Hebrews, is the priesthood of all believers. So who's a priest in this room? Oh, what? Not just me? We are. So if you come to church... 
or if you're sick in the hospital and Steve or Josiah didn't visit me, I, I'm not going back to that church. You got a messed up view of church. Because some people actually, when I do something or Josiah does something, they stop coming to church. I'm going, how immature is that? It's me and Jesus stuff. I and Josiah and Christian and others here, we're actually here to equip the priesthood of all believers. I got to know my gifts and I got to use my gifts. And part of my calling is actually to help you understand your gifts, look for ministry opportunities and encourage you. But I am not the priest. We are the priesthood of believers. So you're not off the hook. I don't care how young or old you are. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a spiritual gift, you have a calling, and he expects you to use it. He expects you to use it. So going back here, oftentimes, you know, I'm peeling back the onion here a bit, but oftentimes the board and staff have to make hard decisions to actually help not manage us, but lead us. I'm not called to manage. Part of my calling is to equip and to lead. And that's a lot of pressure sometimes because I'm just a guy. And I still, I, I got temptation in my life. I get grumpy. I struggle. I have moods. I get hungry. All this, you know, hanger and all that stuff. And you know what? I am called to equip. I'm called to also to lead. And when it comes to the board, you guys, sometimes we have to actually make hard decisions to lead us. Lead us not into more comfort. Not just to deal with all your quibbles. Or not just to deal with your personal preferences. Because let me tell you, I'm going to be real honest here. That you all have preferences. If I listen to all your preferences, we might as well shut these doors. Because honestly, I've heard music's too loud, music's too soft. I can't, I don't like these chairs. I don't like, you know, just like show up. And why are you here? And to be honest, me and Josiah and others that lead, we're also here to, what? Starts with a W, ends with worship. <laughs> worship. Yeah. We're also here to worship. We're coming together with you because we're priesthood of all believers. So if you find yourself coming and you're here like a hound dog sniffing out what's wrong with the service, you've come with a bad attitude. And that's sin. We're coming together to worship the Lord. We're coming together to worship the Lord. Doesn't mean you don't have your preferences and doesn't mean you, do, you, know, you don't talk about it sometimes, but we are not called here for our own comfort. We're not called here just to work out quibbles and personal preferences, but rather decisions to equip everyone in this room and decisions to reach the unreached. So we will have pastoral care, we'll have visitation, we'll have he- you know, prayer for healing the sick and all that stuff. But if that's all we're doing, we're just looking in these four walls, that's so sad. We have a light, we have a lamp, and we don't just jam it in these four walls and then close the blinds, which we kind of have done. Oops. (laughs) Nonetheless, we'll talk about that at staff meeting. Um, We actually have this... uh, relationship, this vibrant relationship so that when we go about our day, when you go about renovating your house, when you go about shopping, when you go about on the job, um, whatever it might be on your job site, that you actually go and you are 
the stained glass window for Jesus Christ. And it's getting harder and harder and harder, all of these conversations that people push you into. You know, like even right now, if you watch the news uh, with politics, you just see that now they're digging up stuff on uh, the political leader Sheer or whatever. So anything he's ever said, they're bringing to the light. What do you mean by that? And they're trying to corner him too. And they're all doing it to each other, right? But here it's so terribly important that the light of Christ be realized that we come and the light is for everyone. So wherever you go, you are the light of Christ. So wherever you go, you could possibly get into really awkward conversations because it is a hostile, polluted world out there. So we're not just going to be there preaching about what's wrong with this world, but maybe we can actually start walking and shining what's right with this world. The joy that we have and the peace that comes surpasses all understanding makes no sense. Why aren't you troubled? Why aren't you belly aching? Well, I live for a bit of bigger purpose. That doesn't mean we don't get involved in politics or things that bother us because we all are gifted and called to walk in the light. But it's really important that we understand that we, Jesus did not die on the cross just for the church. He died on the cross so that he could light this candle and show the world that he is the savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But speaking of how you hear, there's that haunting verse. So pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. So I'm tempted by this too, that I come across a verse is really cool. So now I go to Google, or now I go to self-help, and I grab this verse, and I allow information overload, more information, more information, more information. Is that really hearing? Like that, some of that stuff is helpful to inform us, but honestly, sometimes we've done it here, me and Josiah, where we've asked us to open our hands like this and actually try and hear what the Holy Spirit of God is saying to the church. I'd much rather sit and read and jam my mind with stuff than actually shut up and allow the Lord to speak to me. It's hard to zip it. And here, let me meddle a little bit more. We all hear through filters. So when I speak to you, I speak through filters. So my experience. So if I give Elaine advice here, I'm giving her advice from my experience from my upbringing, from my education, from my mood, because I'm hungry and all that stuff, so I'll give her all sorts. So now I'm talking to Elaine, but guess what? That's not the only filter at play here, because her ears also have filters. How she has grown up, her experience in the church, her mood, her desires, and all that stuff. So it's really interesting how we hear but are we actually hearing Jesus for how he is communicating? Or are we hearing Jesus for how we want to hear Jesus? There's a big difference. Some of us are only hearing what we want to hear. And then, where's that verse to back up my thoughts about Jesus? You know, instead of opening the word... And asking the Holy Spirit to guide you and being open to the convictions that he'll bring forth. We don't read into the Bible. What do we get out of it? Really important. Really important. 
So we hear through filters of past experiences, how we're brought up, our mood, our pain, memories, regrets, desires. But we've got to hear Jesus and name our filters. You can even say, Lord, right now I'm painful. I, you know, my girlfriend just broke up with me or whatever. So I'm, I, just, I just feel like Job, you know, and we'll run to Job because that's a great, yeah, you know, a, a book about suffering. But allow him to speak to you and he actually might bring you encouragement. He might bring you correction. He might bring you affirmation. The father of lights loves to give good gifts to his kids. That includes encouragement, affirmation, correction, discipline, whatever it might be. But he loves it because he loves you. He loves you. So light is for everyone. Secondly, light brings opportunity for celebration. Light shows cause for celebration. And sometimes we don't really celebrate this enough. Is that when we get to walk into the light, so here I am, sometimes it's intimidating, but you can actually let the light shine on me. And we think that when Jesus puts his candle on you or his flashlight, he's going, oh, shoot and we're good at that we're good at beating ourselves up and all that stuff but what honestly if the Lord shines his light on you isn't there a chance that he might want to say something good to you isn't there a chance that he might might want to affirm you isn't there a chance that even throughout scripture especially Paul we see him even when he's dealing with a crazy church where not so things are going on he starts off with encouragement He loves them. He's not going, you idiots. No, he actually first affirms them, he loves them, and then he brings about a little bit of a rebuke or a little bit of an admonition or a little bit about, this needs to change. Hmm. So Paul does that. Don't you think maybe the Lord wants to also affirm you? Don't you think the Lord wants to celebrate you? Rick Warren suggests that the people of God are like different pieces of stained glass through which the light of the Lord pours out in a brilliant array. I like that. So you do have different stories. We do have different experiences. We have different moods. You have different places where you work. And it's really important that the light of Christ shines. Don't hide that. Let the light of Christ shine through you. And your story is really important because it's God's story through you. He has redeemed your story. He's redeemed your story. When we have good hearing, we should be able to also hear good things that the Lord wants to convey to us. So if in your private times, all you're hearing is negativity, then I pretty much can guarantee you that you're not hearing from the Lord. Yes, there's times where you might not like what he's saying, or there's times of correction and rebuke and all that stuff. But just because I correct one of my kids, does that mean I hate my kid? Or actually the opposite. I love my kid, and my kid needs to be corrected if they're going to be you know, successful or be a disciple of Christ, whatever it may be. So because I love my kiddos, I correct them. Because God loves me, he celebrates me, but he will also correct. So it's interesting because I think there's many ways he speaks to us, and lots of this is from Henry Blackaby, but uh, he speaks to us through his word. So it's pretty important to uh, pay attention to the word of God. And some of you are new to this. So don't be jumping into Leviticus like, um, um, yeah, amen. You know, like here's some stuff that's juicy in there. You're going, well, woo, you know. In fact, I had a buddy one time that said, okay, swords up. He was with a bunch of kids in a public high school. You know, he says, swords up. Okay, on your mark, it's go Leviticus. And he, he went to one of those verses that's really awkward. 
about circumcision. Don't do that. You know, don't do that, you know. But pay attention. So if you're new to this, go to a, a, a book like Luke or John and actually ask, Lord, I want to grow. And I know this is powerful. And just help me understand. Help me understand. So now you're inviting the Lord into your journey and open the word of God. And then what's cool too is if you're still not getting it, you can make an appointment with a trusted mentor, pastor or whatever, and we can maybe look at it together. But it's really important that he wants to speak to you and he uses his word. So don't be running around self-help books and indigo and all that jazz. Go to his word. You can go to other trusted mentors. He speaks through mentors. He speaks through Holy Spirit promptings. That's right. If you're even a baby Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And he wants to reveal things to you and open up opportunities for you to share your faith. He wants to affirm you. He wants to sometimes feel, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have yelled at my wife. Uh, so that's also conviction. That's what he does. Or there's times where you're walking along and all of a sudden you're going to buy a burger and you see a guy over there and you buy two burgers and give one away. Holy Spirit stuff. Right? That's the light of Christ. That's the light of Christ. Uh, Holy Spirit promptings, we sometimes have circumstances that come together. I wouldn't say just circumstances, but pay attention to circumstances because sometimes the Lord uses circumstances to bring us to a point. He uses prayer. And prayer, again, isn't just yapping away because we in the North American church, when we have a prayer meeting, it's all about intercessory. Pray for this, pray for that, amen, see you later. And we never listen. So even sometimes when we have prayer meetings here, which we're trying to have once every two months or whatever, we're trying to groom a place where we do have some intercession, but we're also trying to groom a place where you and sense the Lord. And then there's sometimes there's quietness, which is really awkward, especially if you're not used to it. And then somebody also leads out in prayer. And it might be intercessory, or it might be seeking the Lord, or it might be a Bible verse, or it might be a song. It's really cool. But he wants to speak. Are we listening? And I would say sometimes, too, he uses dreams or visions. Now, that's coming from a Mennonite. You know, we're pretty, you know. But the Lord also likes to use dreams and visions, I think. There's times, too, where people are walking along. In fact, I heard not that long ago that this Muslim guy was having a dream. And everything was going great in his dream. So all of these prophets were all lining up. And then also the next prophet, he knew what the next prophet and his dream was supposed to be. But who is it? It's some guy on a horse by the name of hmm, Jesus. Jesus totally messed with his dreams and entered and that paved the way for him to check out Jesus Christ. That's exciting stuff, you guys. So you never know when you're part of the light is part of the seed that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So when you're faithful using your light and then also Arthur comes along two weeks later and he uses his light and then all of a sudden Dale comes along uses his light and then Heather and all of a sudden, boom, somebody has this what is going on because they've had so many touch points with people that are living the light that all of a sudden they have to weigh this Jesus and they have to make a decision whether they will invite him into their life or not. <coughs> really exciting. Wearsby says the parable starts off as a picture that is familiar to the listeners but as you carefully consider that picture it becomes a mirror in which you see yourself and many people do not like to see themselves. Weirsby. I like that. So 
I read these, I sometimes read scripture and I go, oh, this is going to be good for Josiah. Oh, yeah. Or Dale. Dale needs to hear this one. You know? And then all of a sudden, it's turned back on me. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know? And it comes back. In fact, one of the things of expository preaching is that the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God and the personality of the preacher to the hearts that are cultivated from the hearers. So this, it's, I'm supposed to be cultivating my heart so that the Holy Spirit can use my personality and my soft heart to convey whatever message He wants to your heart that's also prepared. Kind of cool, eh? The light brings opportunity for celebration. So if you're only hearing negative stuff, ah, I question that voice. Okay? So light brings opportunity for celebration. We walk into the light. So light also brings opportunity for growth and responsibility when we respond with obedience. This is a big deal. When we respond with obedience. So one of the things that me and Josiah went to a... Uh, uh, we went to a conference, and one of the things that the author was just saying there, he was just saying, come into the light and stand in the light. Stand in the light. You'll want to run away from the light. I tell you, if the Lord's dealing with something and you know that you need to forgive somebody, but they're a big jerk, you just want to run to the corner and you want to jump under your bed, but he said, come into the light and stand in the light. It is safe in the light because the light is from God the Father. It sometimes doesn't feel good, but God is the light. And the light is there, and yes, he might expose some things, but he's also going to affirm you. He's also going to want you to know that you're his son or his daughter, and then he's going to also sometimes bring about some things that need to change in your life. But stand in the light. Don't run away. Stand in the light. Our relationship with Jesus should come with equal amounts of fear and fascination, one person said. At the same time, we are drawn to the irresistible Jesus. We also find ourselves pushing him away because he shows us things about ourselves that are simply way too uncomfortable. Eh? Sometimes we don't like hanging out with certain people or sometimes we get, let me tell you, sometimes we get angry with certain people and if you really are honest with yourself, you're angry about that thing because you know darn well it resides in you. Oftentimes, the things that we're passionate against are things that reside in us. Light brings opportunity for growth. When the Lord reveals something to you or when you need to grow in the light, listen carefully as we've already seen in verse 18. You cannot take the tools. This again is Rob Reimer. He says, you cannot take the tools of the kingdom of darkness to battle in the kingdom of light. So let me tell you that a bit. If you want to grow... If the Lord has revealed something, you cannot use the kingdom, you cannot use tools from the kingdom of darkness to help you grow in the kingdom of light. So if all of a sudden he's put his finger on you're struggling with lust and you run away and you lie, that's using the tools of the kingdom of darkness. Or if, you, if he's revealed to you that there's you know, something going on with your finances that you're greedy, then for you to run and hide and, 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 and just kind of squirrel your money away and not be generous, you're using, again, the kingdom of darkness or the tools of the kingdom of darkness. So those tools might be secrecy, might be lying, might be hiding, 
Might be anger, might be resentment, I don't know. But the tools of darkness have no place in the kingdom of light. So you're standing in the light and you reveal something. Don't run away and lie and be secret and all that stuff. He's actually pointing something out, not because he wants to embarrass you and make you feel stupid. He wants you, as we saw a couple weeks ago, he wants you to mature. He wants me to grow. He wants us to grow. Incredible. We got to remember that there's a spiritual battle for you and there's a spiritual battle for me. We sometimes forget that. So the goal of the enemy, the goal of the devil, is that he, he wants, if you're not a Christian, he's going to try and give you every single excuse in the book to dissuade you from coming to Christ and to reason with his claims. If you are a Christian, he wants you to trip up, mess up, and feel so stupid like King David. And we see from Psalm 32 and 51 that he was quiet because he really messed up and he was out of relationship with God. So that's what he wants. If you're not a Christian, he's going to give you all sorts of excuses. Look at those hypocrites. Remember when you were hurt in the church? That guy calls himself a Christian. He ripped you off in business. So all sorts of excuses. And if you are a Christian, he wants you to feel stupid so that you shut up and you don't shine your light. Hmm. We need to use the tools of the kingdom of light if we want to be in the kingdom of light. And you know what those are? Humility. Humility. Obedience. You obey what he's speaking to you. Accountability. If I really want something to take hold of my life, I'm probably going to share it with a trusted friend or my wife, who's also my friend, I guess. Just kidding. Confession. Truth. These are tools in the kingdom of light. So we see that light's for everybody. We see that it's a cause for celebration. We see it's a cause for growth. But you know what? It also brings accountability. Listen to this in John, 1 John. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, well, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Pause there. So, oh, I love Jesus. I can't stand you or you. Hmm. Hmm. Don't you think? Let's do that together. Hmm. So sometimes Christians are big, fat jerks. And here, they have the light of Christ, but nobody wants to deal with them in business because they're so stinking cheap because I'm a good steward of the Lord's money. You know, something like that, right? Uh, just things like that. And it's just like, hold the bucks. It says here that you will, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it nowhere does it say you're going to be perfect, but it does mean that you will practice the truth. And if we're living in the light as God is in the light, we will have fellowship with Jesus Wait a second. We will have fellowship with each other. So if you can't stand somebody, it doesn't mean you always have to play ping pong every week. But hey, there is something in you that's being rubbed the wrong way. Hester Dugan said, if there's something in you being rubbed the wrong way, that means there's something in you being rubbed the wrong way. <laughs> something like that, right? So 
It's not just the other person's fault. You're being rubbed the wrong way. What's going on in you? What's going on in you? He goes on to say, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're, we are actually calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So it's really interesting here. He's, he's showing the light of the world to everyone. Everybody needs to see it. And it's also a cause for celebration. It's a cause for growth. It brings accountability. It's really cool. But like I said, Rob Reimer said, we got to learn to stand in the light. Don't just run away when something feels uncomfortable. Some of us aren't even good with, with when God wants to affirm us because we're so good at listening to the lies of beating up ourselves from our childhood or whatever. No, no, stand in the light. He wants to affirm you, but also oftentimes he wants to touch you on the shoulder and say, this has got to go. Or, hey, Steve, you need accountability for this one. And light also brings the opportunity to share your story. To share your story. Verse 16, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Going back to what we said right at the beginning, I'm not the priest here. You guys are. And you all have a story. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a story. You have the light of Christ in you. And you need to be able to learn how to share your story. Your story might be very unique. In fact, everybody's story is unique. It might be through pain. It might be through celebration. It might be through confession. I don't know what it is. But your story is very important. I don't know why, but Jesus Christ has chosen to use us as his billboards. He's used us as his canvas. He uses us as his tapestry. And he wants people to see the light of Christ through you and through me. So we have this opportunity and responsibility to let the light of Christ shine through us. John 8 verse 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that. So your story, or rather God's story, is not for you. So you come to Christ and now it's just about you staying in your room or joining a Hutterite colony or whatever. That's not right. We're actually supposed to have some, you need to somewhat use wisdom to protect your light. But you also got to give your light oxygen. You got to feed it. And the light is not just for you. Or it's going to snuff out. The light is for the world. So we're even faced here, because look how many people are in here right now. There's a whack load of people in here, eh? Just a whole bunch of you in the, in the foyer. But sometimes, i got to admit, throughout the weeks, I go, how can we grow deeper and broader? How can we grow deeper and broader? I think about our children's ministry. I think about that with our youth, Sunday mornings. Because if we're just limited by, oh, that's not very comfortable. I don't think that's what we're called to. Do you? So sometimes our growth, you guys, as lamps, will be uncomfortable. Sometimes we got to figure out that, like, let's say if the youth group really grows, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's not the same tight 20 kids anymore. Well, you got to find different avenues to get together with those kids, maybe outside of youth group, but to celebrate that, holy smokes, 30 or 40 kids are coming, you know? Like, 
we got to kind of turn around and realize that not even Sunday mornings are about you and Jesus. We're inspired here. We learn here. We're encouraged here. And we are equipped here to get out. So, a couple of questions. Are you standing in the light? Are you letting the light bring celebration and affirmation to you? Are you letting the light show areas that you need to grow? Stand in the light, even if it shows some areas that you need to grow in. Are you letting the light bring accountability? And are you sharing the light with others? So it's important today too, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, this is really exciting stuff. In the last few weeks, there's been a number of people throughout our church ministries that have given their lives to Christ. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In different areas too. So not just in the pastor's office or something. Like it's cool. So you guys, whatever area you're in, whatever school you're in, whatever business you're in, wherever you shop, you are the light of Christ shining to a world that is not familiar with the light. And there's this attraction and, you know, that love-hate relationship with the light. But we'll live the life, light full of grace and full of truth and share our lives, share our stories with others so they too can be introduced to Jesus Christ. Sound good? Let's pray and we'll go to communion. Father, I thank you for who you are and who you make us. And uh, how exciting a passage of scripture that we realize that just this simple short couple verses talk about that we're a lamp and it makes no sense to grab that lamp and jam it under a, a bed it makes no sense to cover it up it makes no sense to snuff it out we've been given a light and in that light lord we confess that sometimes we think that light always brings negative that's going to point out the things that aren't good about us but we need to trust you lord god you're our dad you're our dad and dads, healthy dads, which you are fully healthy, love to give good gifts to their kids. So you want to show us the cool things you love about us. You want to affirm us in our giftedness in some things of our personality. And it's so cool. And then also, at the other hand, you might go, but you know, Steve, I also want you to grow in this area. Why? Because I love you, Steve. And I want you to grow up. So, Father... I pray that if you're speaking to someone this morning, maybe even for the first time, that somebody here doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today's the day. That they would, won't leave this place without chatting with somebody about a little bit more about detail about this lamp or this light we can have. And Lord, if somebody's here this morning and they've been sitting here and it's their attitude, their personality, everything about them has been oozing me, me, me and Jesus, I pray that you'd stop them in their tracks today. And help them to stop staring at their belly buttons and start looking at other people and realizing that they have the light of Christ. Uh, it's fantastic, but it's also for others. It's for the world. So do a work in us, Lord. Do a work in us. Do a work in us. I want to give you all an opportunity just before the worship team leads us. We're going to have the servers come forward. And as we hand out the elements, the bread and the cup, the body and the wine, the blood. I pray, pray that you would hold on to those things. And today, we're going to look at that portion of Scripture which goes along really well with today. Let us examine ourselves. Let us examine ourselves. And again, 
a reminder that if you're only getting this absolutely horrible blanket of negative stuff, that's a good chance that you're not listening well. There might be room for change and growth, or there might be even a conviction that you need to talk to somebody to invite Christ into your life. But examine is coming and hearing what the God of the universe, Abba Father, wants to say to you today. Examine yourself as the ushers or as the servers come forward and we'll continue to worship together. Amen. <laughs>